welcome to Bury the Lead. I'm one of your co-hosts, Winnipeg Free Press columnist Jen Zerati. I'm your other co-host, Winnipeg Free Press multimedia producer Aaron Lavar. Big show today. Big show with we stuff that do. we don't normally talk about. Exactly. So it's like a brave new territory. Yes. Um, Winnipeg is set to vote for a new mayor. Yes. So in advance of the election on October 24th, we have Winnipeg Free Press political columnist Dan Lett joining us on the show today. What else are we talking about? Uh, it's like a political. It's a political themed episode because we're going to talk about Taylor Swift. We are and her Instagram post, which encouraged tens of thousands of people to register to vote, and why I think it's a load of BS. I agree, and we're the only ones. I feel like um, we're also going to talk about a uh, a Star Is Born. Yes, because we watched all of them. All of them. First, though, how was your week? Uh, I had my wedding social over the weekend. Yes, I know. I was there. I'm very I enjoyed excited. a tort and won no prizes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy that it's over. Yes. Um, it was a lot Congratulations. of work. Thank you. <laughs> I was so tired that night that I could barely keep my eyes open because I had been running around for three days prior to that. Oh, yeah. It's, I was so tired. It is more work than the wedding, I have to say. People yeah. say that and then I didn't it's believe true, it, though. but it is. I mean, grand scheme, everything went very well. There was no issues. Booze was there. Prizes were there. People were there. We made money. It's all good. But we had it on the Friday night, and it was the long weekend for Thanksgiving. So the next three days, I had purposefully not planned anything other than, like, family events because people had come in town for the social. And so I just, like, literally laid on my couch all day for three days and then went and ate dinner. And that was basically the rest of my weekend. Perfect. It was amazing. That's exactly what it would be. <laughs> yes. Um, I saw the Royal Winnipeg Ballet's Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah. Um, on Wednesday night. And you hosted a thing. I hosted the pre-show chat with choreographer Lila York. That's who fun. I also, she, I also interviewed her for the column I wrote about right. the ballet that ran last Tuesday. Um, but yeah, super interesting because the ballet actually premiered in Winnipeg five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed Lila at the time and we were talking about how like, you know, reproductive rights rollbacks and all these things that were kind of like were issues, but oh man, did things get so much worse. Right. Literally the week I talked to her was when the Brett Kavanaugh stuff was happening. Yeah. So it was just like, oh my God. So it just, it feels extra timely in the way The Handmaid's Tale continues to feel super timely but this can i also just like high five winnipeg for being ahead of the trend on something yeah no can i maze tale yeah 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 first she, time uh, ever first and only time <laughs> yeah it's awesome she's a new york choreographer wanted to do this with a canadian company mm-hmm. andre lewis at the rwb was like yes we are into this so yeah. which is pretty progressive because oh yeah like it's a dark ballet yes it is quite dark and this version compared to the one that premiered five years ago is darker so okay i recommend seeing it also so that's psa number one psa number two based on the amount of coughing up a lung in the audience go get a flu shot <laughs> like please go get your flu shot vote and get a flu shot just told Jen that I never get flu shots and she gave me the stinkiest stink eye <laughs> that I have ever received from her. I mean, I didn't get one last year. But you've also been sick once every two months for the last year. Exactly. So this year I feel like I'm going to return to the return to the getting, I don't know why I don't get shot. one. I just don't. I don't know why. There's no reason why I don't. 
other than the fact that I don't really like needles, but it's just like two seconds. So I, because I have a toddler niece in my life now, mm. I feel like it's more, you know what? Relevant. That's a good point. There's yeah. going to be a newborn baby in the family come January. Yeah. So that's a good point. Yeah. For his sake, I will do it. Yeah. Enjoy having the sniffles all the time, by the way, after you interact with this child. <laughs> well, I already live with a teacher, so it's not going to get much worse than germ germ central from him. Let's talk about Taylor. Yes. Taylor Swift. Let's talk about Taylor. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she had that Instagram post uh, earlier this week. Yeah. Basically saying that she doesn't she has been very silent about her personal politics in the ba- in the past. Like weirdly so. Right. So she 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 says that in her post. But um, certain I don't even know what the wording was, but certain events over the past two years, both like in the sort of broader public political spectrum and both in her personal life yeah. has sort of pushed her to be more vocal about who she wants to put support behind. And she then repped for a couple Democratic senators um and then encouraged all of her followers to register to vote and this broke the internet because as we mentioned it's very Taylor Swift saves democracy and also very uncharacteristic yes during the 2016 presidential she election was noticeably silent crickets yeah um she kind of weighed into the me too stuff but not but only in her very specific right case now I'm going to read you this headline. Tennessee voting experts say Taylor Swift might actually turn their state blue. So, girl, where were you in 2016? Right. Like, if you have... There's no denying that Taylor Swift is a powerful person. Oh, my gosh. No, she has an immense reach and influence over a huge number of young people. Where were you? So this is my thing. Everyone's praising her. And, like, yes, of course, it's so positive in any circumstance to have that many new people register to vote that many new ears and eyes on political yes. issues voter turnout which is a subject we will get to later when, with when dan we, yeah um yeah. is low at all levels of government right so yes that is hugely important however however i and call me a cynic but i can't help but notice the timing of this statement is after her new album was released, which had not come out yet bef- before the Trump election. Um, so her album's number one. It's after the bulk of her worldwide huge tour. It's finishing in like three weeks. She's been on the road for about a year. So like the timing is very convenient that there is so little for her to lose at this point because she has all of her album and concert dollars in her pocket already. It doesn't matter if people boycott because there's nothing to boycott now. And I've been thinking a lot about, uh, because I'm working on a column about the one year anniversary of the hashtag Me Too Mm -hmm. resurging. Mm -hmm. Um, In the lens of Me Too, it feels like an extra slap in the face because people with a lot more to lose lose Mm -hmm. have risked so much more. Mm -hmm. So this feels like the bare minimum. Right. And also... You watched the some award show. What award show? Oh, the American Music Awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she um did her little performance and she got her awards and she, I think, became the most winningest artist at the AMAs of all times. <laughs> I hope that's the title of the award. No, that's a word, winningest. I know, but it's just funny. Like, you're the most winningest. Here's another award. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think it was, uh, I, I'm not sure if it was specifically female or of all artists whatever but anyway she won this award goes up 
does her thanks to her fans and her friends and her pregnant friend that she brought and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then she says, does her voting spiel, like make sure you register to vote. And then she kind of infers that new music is on the way. And I was like, T-Swift, why? Like, you're just, you're just ruining this from every possible. And guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Jen and I have a prediction. We have a prediction. Guaranteed, this is the gear up to the release of her America slash feminist album. Yes. Which will drop November 2020. We we are going to say this right now. It's going to be yeah. politically influenced. It's going to have really strong feminist leanings. And it's going to come out right after the next election just in time for christmas just in time for christmas i just it makes me feel so i mean i can't fault her for her business sense like girls gotta make her money right like that's fine but to kind of use a movement that is so like important and so uh what's the word i'm looking for emotional Mm -hmm. for a lot of people to to kind of use that as a as a pawn as a piece in a game to make people like her or like strategically make people not like her in order to make more money or to put herself back into the public light. That just makes my heart hurt a little bit. We have a guest on the podcast today, Winnipeg Free Press political columnist, Dan Lett. Welcome to to call, I wanted to call you Daniel for some reason. <laughs> well, it's yeah. I'm, I'm afraid Daniel follows me everywhere. Is but, that in fact uh, your name? Dan is fine. Uh, if you know me better, you can call me Danny, but we're not there yet. So. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Welcome to the pod. Yeah. Yes, welcome. Um, yeah, so you, we wanted to get you on the podcast because we wanted to talk about the civic election. Winnipeg is about to vote for a new mayor or potentially the same mayor. Um, <laughs> and we wanted to get an expert in here because we were like, we could we try are not to do experts, this, but we're not experts. So, yeah. Well, you, you'll find that among politicos, opinions vary about my expert status. So <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, we're good. Um, maybe to begin, let's talk a little bit about, I know Aaron kind of wanted to bring the subject up, which is voter engagement mm. with the civic yes. election. It just like, maybe it's because we just had like the big Trudeau election, but it just civic politics just don't seem as sexy for whatever reason. And you were saying that you haven't felt. Yeah. Particularly I don't know if this. it's just like political oversaturation because I'm following the news from the U S. So there's also that uh, much more than I usually would be, but I just found myself or I'm finding myself completely disengaged with this election. Like I couldn't even tell you other than the three people who are running for mayor. I just I have not checked into this at well, all. Well, the first thing is there are eight people running for mayor. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I'm not saying I could, I could barely name three is what I'm um, saying. Yeah, well, you know, but I think your reaction is, uh, you know, historically is uh, you're right in the, in the median mm-hmm. of the way people feel. Um, civic elections are not as sexy. Um, you know, immigration, uh, debt, international trade uh you know these like these are big macro issues and and you know the people you know because i've covered all levels of politics so federal politicians are more accomplished they're more charismatic Mm -hmm. you know they're more compelling characters and as you work your way down the um the levels of government you know you get to municipal government where you know that the characters are less compelling that's the polite uh, term of using it Uh, a longtime university friend of mine, John Bovin, who used to work for CBC Radio here, um, and we covered City Hall together. He referred to City Hall as the intellectual free zone, <laughs> and there is there is really 
there is something to that and, and it's not it's not just i'm not just disparaging the politicians mm-hmm. um sewer and water potholes garbage recreate you know like these are meat and potato issues and it tends to draw meat and potato kind of politicians right um and it's also you know we're only really in the early gestation of full-time city councilors anyways they used to be part-time and some of them which kind of (laughs) blows my mind actually that they would be part-time but well it's kind of an extension of like when you go back a million years to uh prior to unicity and you had all these little duchies, you know, that made up. So they were like little rural municipal councils, and then they made a big city council. So, um, you know, it's uh, simpler issues, uh, simpler people, um, and so the result is much lower voter turnout, mm-hmm. and lower turnout means much older uh, right. average age. I mean, I still plan on voting. I plan on educating myself. Oh yes, I always vote as well, for sure. <laughs> Yes, thank you. That that's, it comes as a great relief because, uh, uh, you know, I think the um, what's odd, though, is the fact that these issues, these simpler issues, are really the first issues that you become concerned about as you get older and, you mm-hmm. know, house and kids and things kick in. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you worried about? You're worried about your property taxes. You're worried about your water bill. You're worried about, you know... That's how I knew I was in my 30s and a homeowner when last winter I was like, what am I paying for trying to drive down my back lane? So... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, congratulations. Thank you. Yes, that's right. You've now adopted a 55-year-old attitude. You're now geriatric. I have arrived. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, all elections skew older. Uh, I mean, it's anytime you see huge lurches in voter turnout uh spikes it's because younger voters are engaged Mm -hmm. unfortunately younger voters are only usually engaged for one election so you know they'll show up to vote for barack obama and then they kind of won't show up after that right so there's a variety of theories about why that's so um it's also just it seems kind of daunting like because we had an editorial in the paper talking about how voting is certainly part of your civic duty but being educated about what you're voting on is the other piece of that and sometimes getting educated on what people's platforms are especially because civic politics doesn't follow a party system so it's not like you can just if you're liberal or if you're conservative or you're ndp you can just vote for your person that it doesn't work the same way with civic politics. So I find sometimes it can be a daunting task even just to get informed. So no, you're you're absolutely right. It is a daunting task. Uh, the candidates uh, are make it difficult uh, to get information about them. Uh, a minority of them operate uh, or maintain websites with information. Uh, many of them will be on social media, but won't really offer any uh, ideas. Right. Yeah. And uh, then you know you, you get down to the fact that uh, even those that that do kind of reach out and campaign with pamphlets or websites or whatever don't actually have a platform like uh, I'm in favor of greater transparency better infrastructure uh, lower property taxes you know whatever mm-hmm. okay well we're all in favor of those things but getting from point A to point B is a, so it, it, what you have is it's a super complex problem mm-hmm. with a lot of people talking simple solutions so that is and that's discouraging to voters yes Let's talk about 
Portage and Maine because I feel like if that's have to, that's yeah. all everybody you can't talks about. see it. My <laughs> eyes are rolling back into my head right now. Aaron has feelings about this. Well, topic. no, the thing is, I don't have feelings, and it just bugs me so much that this is what this whole your lack of feelings have become feelings, feelings of anger. <laughs> yes. like, I just don't understand how this became the issue of the election when there's so much other shitty stuff going on in the city that needs to be dealt with. It just makes me crazy. How did this become? Uh, well, the the incumbent mayor Brian Bowman campaigned on this. He won a thunderous victory in 2014. I joked in an editorial meeting that this is the <laughs> like the cannabis of civic issues. Uh, no, very much so. Yeah. Um, he the city council voted in whole or in part on this issue ten times. Um, <laughs> uh, so everybody was in favor until. Uh, the very last moment when two councillors, Jeff Rawati from North Kildonan and Janice Lukes, who's now the acclaimed councillor in Waverly, mm-hmm. um, decided that they should that everybody should vote on it. And by everybody, they didn't mean just council; they meant everybody. So they proposed a referendum, and in in true city council fashion, mm-hmm. the the entirety of council folded up like cheap card tables, <laughs> and you know, and so now, you know, and this is this is you know one of the best examples of how. A referendum is not really a tool of democracy. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a tool right. to manipulate democracy. Mm-hmm. Is what it is. So there was never even a necessity for the public to vote on this. Like council could have just voted and passed it and done it. There are, I mean, the the, the team open people will point out, and it's absolutely true that even if you took the total costs of opening up Portage and Maine, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is somewhere around eleven million dollars, and that's that's really heavily inflated with contingencies okay. and whatever. There are nearly 100 projects on the city's infrastructure list of a similar value, uh, or slightly more, slightly less. I mean, it really, it just, you know, it isn't a financial issue, in in my opinion. Okay. It, yeah, it's one of those things where I, I understand the arguments for, I understand the arguments against. Yes. I yeah, I, just, I think there are good parts of both arguments, and there are certainly flaws in both arguments as well. Yeah, I just like I just make a decision and do it. That's I'm just over it. I don't care. Okay, so convert me, I, Dan. Okay, so yeah, so this is I'm gonna come off like a reformed alcoholic here, <laughs> um, but um, okay, so like, and I can show you the evidence because I wrote the columns that said like, who cares. Um, and uh, from a practical uh, assessment, it's easy to say who cares because, you know, there is pedestrian access very near the main intersection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I had this moment where uh, Nahid Nenshi, the highly regarded mayor of Calgary, came to town. And, and he really is, uh, he's a bit of an outlier in terms of mayors because, I mean, he is just like like it's like trying to interview a live wire like snapping around like he's amazing anyway so he had taken a cab from the airport directly to the winnipeg free press news cafe in the exchange where we did uh, a, a live stream interview mm-hmm. and he at the end of it the interview i hadn't even brought up portage maine he said aren't you gonna ask me about portage maine and i said well of course i was sure. so <laughs> what do you think of portage maine and he goes oh my god he goes like what a horrible image like you know that's the first time i ever got a a close look at it Mm -hmm. and i just i look at it and i just see 
closed, dysfunctional city that doesn't appreciate design and, mm -hmm. you know, things are ugly. Okay, you know, so that that was mm -hmm. started turning me a little bit. Yeah, no one's arguing that the barricades aren't nice. yeah. ugo. Yeah, yeah. Like, for yes. sure. <laughs> but, but then he pointed out to me, and this is where I really turned. He said, well, what do the people who are most affected by the intersection think? The people who live and work mm -hmm. and own businesses and property, well, what mm -hmm. do they think? And I said, well, they totally want the barriers down. And he said, well, you know, take Portage and Maine out of the equation. If you were talking in River Heights, <laughs> I'm going to bring up a painful subject, but traffic circles. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh. So, but let's say, let's say that like everybody thought traffic circles was a bad idea and they all mobilized around it. And you realize by making this change, you could energize a base in the mm -hmm. community that, you know, that they would go out and they would provide all the sweat equity and all the other, you know, the, the community involvement to kind of make it something. And that's kind of what Portage and Maine is. Mm -hmm. you, you have a very large community, growing community downtown. They want this and they want right. it so they can do something with it and, and empowering them to do it at a really reasonable cost mm -hmm. is kind of, um, it's kind of a, for me, that was the thing that kind of turned me in favor. That I, makes sense to me. I'm not, not in favor and I'm not opposed opposed i think i agree that we should listen to the people who spend the most time and have the most uh interaction with downtown i just i don't just ask them and then do what they say like i don't i don't understand my my issue is not open close it's like why is this taking up so much air time and so much print time in an election when we have a meth crisis on our hands you know yeah i, I and, and the, in that i yeah. agree um the foremost proponents did not want this. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't vote against the referendum. Mm -hmm. But if had they voted against the referendum, then the issue would have been them voting against the referendum. It wouldn't have been the referendum itself. Right. On the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> in 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 a, an election where the incumbent mayor is way out in front, mm -hmm. there isn't a huge desire for change yet. Um, voter turnout would normally go down. This does potentially have the. Yeah. It has the potential to maybe boost out. boost voter turnout, and really, like if if you if you feel strongly about it one way or the other, and you don't go out and vote, then shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, side note: I find it interesting that Winnipeggers hate change so much that we haven't unseated an incumbent mayor since the fifties. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's pretty much. I mean, that's the standard. Pretty yeah. much every in every big you know medium to big size city. Incumbency. I, I wrote a column about uh, Brian Bowman that pointed out that not campaign events, but uh, just mayoral events, uh, law allows him to continue functioning as the mayor during the campaign. Right. So he did fifty-five mayoral appearances in in September. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> and uh, each one of the, like oh, and only a third of those were publicized. The other two thirds were small gatherings. Whatever, mm. that is such amazing currency for a politician. And oh, really, yeah. that politician is running against a bunch of other people who kind of want to. They want to make announcements and then right. they want to retreat. Right. They're not reaching out. Yeah. And so it's kind of an unfair fight. Right. And perhaps that's why Bowman is so far in the lead in the polls right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, like it's. Um, uh, th this is kind of previewing a, a future, a near future column, but yeah. um, you know there there are issues to take up with Brian Bowman. We certainly were very critical of him mm -hmm. over the first four years. Um, he's a bit of a mess. Uh, like he just he has trouble kind of getting things done in the right order. 
And, you know, for example, had more information been provided earlier on in the debate about Portage and Maine, it probably wouldn't have gone mm -hmm. to a referendum. Mm -hmm. Right. On yeah. the other hand, um, he did accomplish a couple things that people have been wanting to do for some time. Um, for the first time ever, the city's infrastructure deficit is shrunk. So mm -hmm. the total value of streets and other assets that need to be repaired, it's $3 billion less. Um, and he got development fees passed. Not a perfect solution, but you know we tracked the development fee idea back 50 years in Winnipeg. So uh, generations of mayors have wanted this and have not got it done. And he finally decided to drop the gloves and, and go with the, the development industry. Um, people will have strong feelings about that one way or the other, mm -hmm. but it is something he did that no other mayor was able to do. So we're running out of time, but we do want to talk a little bit about Bowman's strongest competitors in this election. Yeah, because of course he's not the only person running in this race, so there's there's eight total. Yeah. Who's kind of the the ones to watch here? Well, I mean, Jenny Mockluck's run um, essentially a pretty good campaign. It's very professional. It's very well run. Um, you know, she was out very early in the, the early summer, late spring. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, and it's been like, you know, I, I think regardless of the outcome, they're going to be able to look at what they've done and say, yeah, you know, we, we put in a pretty good effort. Um, I think that, you know, she's a pretty classic small C conservative. Mm -hmm. um, uh, about an hour after I leave you guys, I'm going to her property tax uh, proposal uh, or she's releasing it this morning um, you know um, I think that undoubtedly she's going to propose uh, to either cut freeze or limit property taxes quite a bit um, and you know what like that uh, that's not an informed position based on the structure of city finances but politically it there may be you know uh, credibility there mm -hmm. um Tim Dyack is, uh, I, I think he's destined to be the number three distant third in this race. Mm -hmm. He's a 31-year veteran of the Winnipeg Police Force. Right. It, articulate. He's promised uh, to cut taxes and increase infrastructure spending. Uh, and he's going to do that by marshalling the enormous power of the mythical government efficiency um, you know and I'm not saying that there aren't efficiencies to be said but right. voters should know when someone promises to spend money and promises to pay for it with efficiencies they're telling you they don't really know how to pay for it <laughs> I mean that's just that's yeah. just the reality yeah um, beyond that it, you know it's a pretty colorful uh, crew uh, I will give Umar Hayat um, a bit of a shout out because he is so thoroughly thoroughly enjoying the campaign and is just thrilled when anybody stops to talk to him a voter <laughs> journalist whatever his enthusiasm That's deserves a enduring, shout out. yes, yes. <laughs> uh so election day it's october 24th mm. um we have a newsletter that readers can subscribe to the, well, us, the free press yeah the free press you not us personally political advice <laughs> <laughs> maybe you would um but the free press election extra which you can get three times a day until election day yeah, three times a week three, is it three times a week or three times a day it says th i think it says three times a day on our oh, website okay we're going to be uh, fact checking that, that when we get off the air because so. yeah that seemed like a lot to me i feel like three times a week makes a lot more sense i feel like it does too either way subscribe to it it yes. will be in your inbox you it'll be very helpful information you can find dan's columns on our website and in the paper what's your social media dan i am at dan let 
I got in there ahead of several other prominent Danlets in the country and nailed <laughs> that one on Twitter. Um, I don't do Facebook. Uh, but no, Twitter is uh, I'm pretty active. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. So we're gonna, gonna we I'm gonna do it because yeah. I always do it. We're gonna, we're gonna finish the show with our reading, watching, listening segment because Jen and I have been doing a lot of watching and kind of listening. <laughs> That's true. Kind yeah. of listening. Yeah. So we decided <laughs> in one of our lovely, uh, brilliant plans. Yes. Um, we tend to give ourselves assignments that we think are going to be easy and fun and, and it turn takes out to forever. Be so much work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so A Star is Born, the new uh, remake of a remake of a remake that's in theaters now starring Gaga. Gaga. And, and Coops. Bradley Coops. Cooper. Yep. Um, which is actually good. I thought it was going to be bad based on the I trailer. I also thought it was going to be bad. But I was pleasantly yeah, I enjoyed it. surprised. I enjoyed it a lot. And I, I don't like Gaga or B Coops and I was into it. Same. I shed, as I said in our story, I shed a single tear a from just my right tear. eye <laughs> when, spoiler alert, B Coops has some emotion, emotional issues. Yes. yes. Um, so we decided to watch all four because there's four A Star Is Born. Yes, there are. Um, there's the 1937, mm-hmm. 1954, mm-hmm. 1976, mm-hmm. and 2018. Well done. I, because I eat, sleep, and breathe A Star Is Born. Yeah. There was, actually, a day, there was a week where literally every single day we watched one version of A Star Is Born. Yeah, in fact, last weekend it felt weird to not have my daily viewing of A Star is Born. So, um, things that surprised me really quickly. I wasn't expecting to like the 1937 I original as much as I do. I loved oh, it. Loved it so much. So good. Yeah. Janet Gaynor. So sassy. And very, as and we did a story about this for the paper last week. Um, I said I felt that she was so modern in her interpretation of that character totally. and it was really surprising and I loved it. For those who aren't familiar with the story, it's like the saddest. Oh god. It's the saddest. Basically Bring a, tissues. Yeah. A famous actor who later musician, but in the early ones he's an actor, mm-hmm. um, discovers a ingenue and takes her under his wing and mm-hmm. they fall in love and as her star rises, his fades and tragedy ensues. Yes. Um so tale is good story. I understand Solid. why it's been remade. Solid a lot. story. We both didn't like the Judy Garland, which is so funny because that one is probably the most highly regarded in terms of like yes. I- icon status, and I hated it. I just Judy Garland screaming for three hours. Like it it's was just, a lot of jazz hands. <laughs> I feel like. Liza Minnelli, who of course is Judy Garland's daughter, it was Liza based her entire life on her mother's role in, in this the movie. Star is Born. Yes, there was a few. And it's three hours. It's three hours. There were some really cool visuals, yes. like the movie within a movie thing, yes. and that was cool. But, but it, it was when you're checking your watch every 15 minutes and fast forwarding through the 20 minute musical numbers, like you know, it's. Is it possible for a musical to be too musical? <laughs> I think the answer is yes, Jen. I think it's yes. <laughs> then Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. I, I love Babs. I do. I love her. In the Joan Didion penned version. Yes. From the 70s. But I didn't enjoy this one at all. I enjoyed and it again, more than it you did. And again, it has also been very critically acclaimed. Yes. I, I didn't really get it. I enjoyed it more than you did. I felt like it captured the grittiness of the set. It felt like a very 70s movie. Mm-hmm. But I do think that they kind of copped out with the the end the end yes and like 
the Norman Maine character who has different names in yeah in, the lead on, male the lead male um yeah I just I don't Christopherson just didn't play him it didn't with, work like enough warmth yeah he felt very I had a hard time caring about him and yes. you need to care about him for this movie to work yes without giving it all B Coops did a good job with that yes I think adding some elements such as his struggles with tinnitus, tinnitus and yeah. alcoholism mm-hmm. I mean he is an alcoholic in all the versions but I felt like um Bradley Cooper played it with much more compassion it just it gave um it made me understand or believe that she would stick around right like their their relationship and the love that they had developed in the new version made more sense to me that's all it was really agreed but go see it i recommend it yeah it's uh gaga's vocal performances are pretty on point yeah it's great uh before we say goodbye we have one last segment yeah so this is a new segment called postcards from the ledge Ha! A riff on Postcards from the Edge, the Carrie Fisher book. Um, Jessica Patella-Arbonski is our ledge, one of our ledge reporters, along mm-hmm. with Larry Kutch. And she is, I asked her if she wanted to send us Postcards from the Ledge, and she literally sent me a postcard. What does it say? What's on it? I first have it of right all. here. It was a picture of the ledge. It's a picture of the ledge. <laughs> this postcard, I'm going to say, is from 1986. I bet, you on... she, I bet you she just found it laying around in one of the old offices there. Or they retail these somewhere. That can't be a new one, though. No, look at that Winnipeg font. It's like the 80s. It's like, um, yeah, paint, basically. Okay, I'm going to read this. Hello from the legislature, a.k.a. the land of pantsuits and petty drama. The fall sitting of the House just got underway last week, and along with our summer reprieve, MB's carbon tax was also banished. It's not that exciting. She crossed out woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's no burger crawl, but that's our version of fun. Dramatic scoops. Ciao for now, Jessica. That's cute. I know. So we can look forward to those periodically, especially now that the they are back in session. Right. After the summer. She could not send us postcards really in the in the summer, but yeah. For all our for all our ledge scoops. We'll get them via snail mail. I like that she gave it's us a, a literal, literal postcard. postcard. Yes, I love it. Um you can find everything that everyone is working on, Dan, Jessica, all the people that have been on the show, <laughs> us, um, at WinnipegFreePress.com and also of course in the physical paper. You can follow us on social media. I'm at Jen Zerati on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm at Naya Rebel on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, you can email us at our bury the lead email, which is bury the lead at WinnipegFreePress.com. Mouthful. We, yeah, there's a lot of I don't know if you heard, we work for the free press. (laughs) (laughs) Free press, free press, free press. (laughs) And we'll see you next week. Bye.